All right. All right. Well, it's so good to see you this morning. Welcome to our guests. If you are a guest here, it's a privilege to see you. It's, uh, it's so good to be in the house of the Lord, especially on a day like this when it's rainy and wet and cold outside. There's no place else I'd rather be, especially on a day like this, than the house of the Lord. But if you are a visitor uh, or a guest today, it's my pleasure to welcome you. I get the privilege to be the pastor here at Overcome Church. I serve along, uh, alongside a wonderful team of people, and I get to serve alongside a wonderful group of people as the congregation here at Overcome Church. Um, if you don't know, we've been going through this series called The Seven Sayings of the Cross. We've been going through the seven utterances of Jesus from the cross of Calvary as he's actively and uh, intentionally paying the price for our sins. And I'll tell you what, it's been great thus far, and it's only going to get greater. I can't wait to go forward. Um, before we get into the message today, though, before we pray, get into the message. Uh, message today. I got some things to share with you. Um, one, I want to let you know about what God did yesterday. God did a work in Stratford Villa Apartments yesterday, and I'll tell you, it was, yes, he's worthy of all the praise. It was just an eye-opening experience to get to be the hands and feet of Jesus in a real way over there. Hey, we have a video. Uh, would, you, um, would you play this video for us, and uh, maybe you could get a glimpse of what God did yesterday. If you're if you're wondering, yes, a kid got busted in the mouth in here because he sure did.
Somebody give God a hand clap of praise for that. I'll tell you, it was so much fun to get out there and just uh, be the hands and feet of Jesus. It took very little effort, just a group of people willing to put in just a little bit of work and, and, and uh, invest some of their time on a Saturday. It was so wonderful. We got out, or we met here at 10 o'clock. We rendezvoused here, uh, pulled the trailer over there, set up quickly. There were people gathering interest very quickly. Um, uh, one girl, I'll never forget it. You may have seen a guy standing with uh, Brian Maddox. His name's Edgar. He came to help us out. He um, was translating for us in some cases, and I'll never forget. I shared this in small group. I know I plug small group every Sunday morning, and this is another plug, okay? Another commercial. If you are not showing up here at 9 a.m. to be a part of small group, you're missing something amazing. I'll tell you that. It's so good to get together as a small group on uh, Sunday mornings. I bring you coffee every morning, okay? Bring you good coffee. Um, anyway, so this little girl, um, right behind, we had the blow-up laid out, and Brian and Edgar's working hard to get the blow-up going. We're uh, standing around, kind of stalled for a second, um, and this girl right behind us on the second story looks out of her window. The window's wide open. She just perched out the window, and she Shout something, and obviously I don't know what she said, and Edgar turns around and says something back. I'm like, what's she saying? And he's like, she wants to know what we're doing, you know. Uh, obviously, there's this weird blow-up thing happening, and we're about to start playing music and the whole nine. Um, and so he tells her kind of what we're getting ready to do, and I was like, you know, make sure to tell her that this is for her and for her family, that she should come and invite everybody uh, she can to come, you know, partake, experience, right? Um, and so he turns around, he's like, yes, I told her that, I'm, you know, I'll reiterate. Um, and she gets this puzzled look on her face, she's just staring, and I was like, what's wrong with her? He goes, she doesn't believe it. <laughs> she didn't believe that that was for her, she was like, mm, you know, what's going on? She's just a little girl. Um, but so, so much fun yesterday. We know of four gospel interactions yesterday, whether it be prayer or a conversation or so on and so forth. But I'm sure there were many others uh, happening amongst the people that got to um, experience this. Um, I know, for one, we had a family uh, straight up just tell me and Sandra as we were talking with them that nobody ever goes and, and just loves on them like that. Uh, and so it kind of, it kind of solidified the, um, the, the purpose, the reasoning for why we would spend our Saturdays out there loving on kids and families we don't know, uh, you know, cooking hot dogs and, and doing just simple things to love on the community. One more thing I'll share with you about uh, that event, and then uh, I won't keep you all day just sharing about the event, but um, it's something that struck me to the core was this small child that was starstruck over that simple inflatable. 
It's just, you saw it, it was just one of the simple, it wasn't even the fancy ones, right? It wasn't even the three-story high ones, you know, that you find out here sometimes. And this child was over the moon about this simple inflatable. Never seen one before. Couldn't believe that we would come out there and share that with her or him or whatever the child was. Um, uh, this is a testimony that I'd heard from somebody that had that interaction. Um, and it struck me because if I was to, let's be real, if we were to put that simple inflatable out here in this field and only cook you hot dogs and, and tell you to invite your whole family, you'd be like, we came out here for this? Now, some of you super sanctified probably you're like, nah, nah, I wouldn't say that. I'd have had a great time if you'd have shown up. Um, but if we were real, we'd be like, is this all we get? One simple inflatable, um, uh, a hot dog, and some music? I'm going to tell you what. No chairs, not a single chair in sight. Except, I mean, there. Were, oh, no chili. Uh, there was a couple chairs out there, but they were taken up quickly. No chili. Not even chili on the hot dog. No coleslaw. Sheesh. These people out here, I'm telling you, they just were blown away at the fact that somebody would care enough. Um, and so I say that to say this. Uh, we have formed this outreach team. If you want to be a part of the outreach team, hey, come alongside us. If you want to give uh, to that specific area of ministry here at Overcome Church, you can do that safely and securely at overcomechurch.org. This is for you watching online, too. I know there's about 300 of you that hop on here just to see whatever it is that you're trying to see. You can do that safely and securely at overcomechurch.org. Uh, in the giving tab, you'll just select missions. Am I correct? Select missions, and you can give directly to this, um, this opportunity that we get to minister to these communities around us. We get to truly be the hands and feet of Jesus to the community that we're in, not somewhere far off in a distant land, right here. And it's beautiful. So if you want to invest in that, you could do that um, in that way. And also, we'd just love to have you come alongside us. Anyway, that was a very long introduction. That was a very long uh, explanation of what happened yesterday, but it was an amazing time. And no amount of words or testimony could, kind of, or could, could even give you the experience. You just got to be out there. Uh, secondly, I just want to make sure I reiterate, the Easter event on April 2nd is going to be amazing. We'll be still in our series here, but then too... Directly after church, we're going to have food, fun, fellowship, the whole nine. Um, it will be more than just a hot dog. The main meat's going to be barbecue. But we're going to leave it up to you to bring the sides, okay? Just going old-fashioned with the whole deal. There's a sign-up sheet out there underneath the TV on the table in the vestibule or uh, foyer or whatever you call that thing out there. Um, sign up to bring a side. Come on. Let it be more than potato chips, too. We're hungry, okay? Directly after service, we're going to have... Tons of Easter eggs, tons of candy, uh, barbecue, and whatever you choose to bring as a side. So, uh, it's going to be super fun. April 2nd, make sure you bring everybody for that. Okay, anybody ready to get into the Word of God? Me too, Lord, finally. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for your Word, what it means and what it says to us, God. We just, um, we pray your special blessing on 
this sermon series, that it would go farther than just this room, God, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would build us up, that you would uh, give us new perspective. Lord, we, we believe that the seven sayings of the cross are monumental not only to the construction and foundation of our faith, but God, to our perspectives of who you are and what you've done for us, God. Help us, Lord. Shape our thoughts, Lord, towards you today, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you would, turn your Bible to John chapter 19. I promise I won't be long-winded today. Uh, actually, I've I got to take that promise back. I'll, I shouldn't promise that, but I'll say I intend not to be long-winded. Uh, lunch comes early, I know, and, and you Baptists like to eat. So, John chapter 19, verse 25, the Bible says this. Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister. Mary, the wife of uh, Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple he loved, that's John, by the way, um, standing there, he said to his mother, woman, and this is the utterance here, woman, here's your son. Then he said to the disciple, John, here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his, uh, into his home. Today I want to preach from this saying of the cross, Dear woman, here is your son, and here is your mother. Let me ask you this question. If you had followed someone who you believed to be God in the flesh, the Son of God, the Messiah to come, if you had followed him for some time and seen him do miraculous works and heard him uh, preach with authority and give a uh, word of, of scripture with authority and operated uh, in ushering in this new covenant, if you had witnessed all the things of Jesus and been following him for at least three years, like these disciples have, and, and seeing all the works and hearing all the statements and, and traveling so far on, on this missionary journey, if you knew that he was fixing to leave you, how much more intently would you listen to his last words? I think about when a loved one is about to depart and if you get the opportunity to spend time with them and it's not so sudden, um, how intently do you cherish those last few words? How much more do you pay attention? How much more do you turn your ear to listen? How much more uh, closely do you draw near and hear what it is that they're saying? Because in these final moments, you would say, or, uh, they're, if, if they're going to say anything important, they're going to say it then, right? Because they know that there may not be another opportunity for me to say this to you. Now, of course, Jesus knows he's coming back, and the disciples have heard him say he's coming back. Whether they had the faith to believe it or not, who knows? But how much more intently do you think his disciples at the foot of the cross were listening to these seven utterances? And how wild is it that each of the seven sayings of the cross truly form and shape foundationally our faith? 
They really give us perspective to the actual construction, the foundation of our faith and our belief in Jesus and what he has done for us on the cross and the, and the true uh, blood-bought payment on the cross for our sins, for you and I and for anyone who would believe. The Bible says, whosoever would believe in the uh, only begotten Son of Jesus will be saved. If you'll confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, the Bible promises that you will be saved. And that's what Jesus died for on the cross. In this utterance, you see a a picture, a beautiful picture of unity, and that's what I want to talk about today. There's a key word here that I love the most. It is behold. Some of your versions out here may say behold. Woman, behold your son, or uh, uh, John, behold your mother. And of course, let it be known that they weren't blood relatives. They were not connected in that way. And so what is Jesus saying as he's saying, mother, behold your son, uh, son, behold your mother here? What is he doing as he's bringing these two together in this way? A lot of preachers will preach this uh, saying of the cross, and, and, and they, will, they will build upon this perspective that Jesus is taking care of his mom. It's like, make sure mom is okay while I'm gone. But I think, okay, that makes sense, but I think it's a little deeper than that. I think it goes a little further, and if you, uh, if you look uh, more intently into what Jesus is doing, the grand scheme of the cross, the grand scheme of what he's doing, right, and if you read throughout every bit of the account of the cross in, uh, in a consistent pattern, you will see that Jesus is not only saying, hey, take care of my mom, he's saying, hey, let's take care of my church, let's take care of my body, and I think from the cross, he's preaching a message of unity. And the first thing you see from the cross here is this act of adoption. This act of adoption. If you're writing anything down, write that word down, adoption. What does adoption mean? It means to take on something that is not your own, but you make it your own. Right? What do you do when you adopt a new policy? You make a policy your own. What do you do when you adopt a new family member? That family member is now your family member. And here, Jesus preaches from the cross in one simple utterance a message of adoption. Let me take you to Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 46. The Bible says this, while he was still speaking with the crowds, Jesus is amongst crowds in this, in this missionary journey that he's on. He's standing amongst a crowd here, as he most of the time was. And he says, um, Uh, The Bible says, while he was still speaking with the crowds, his mother and brothers were standing outside waiting to speak to him. And someone told him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside. They want to speak to you. And Jesus replies in a weird manner. Like, really, I, I, it took me uh, some time to kind of understand what he's saying here. Now I get it with the perspective that I have from the utterance of the cross here. He says, As he replied uh, to the one who was speaking to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hands towards his disciples, he stretches out his hands towards the ones that are standing around him. And look what he says. He said, here are my mother and my brothers. He says right here as he stretches out his hands, here are my mother and, and brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now the Bible talks a lot about the adoption 
uh, that takes place when the Holy Spirit enters into the, uh, into the believer. You are not your own anymore. Your life no longer belongs to you, but it belongs to the Lord. And he becomes your father, your heavenly father. And you become a brother to Jesus in a way. You become a fellow heir, the Bible says, um, with Jesus, and you come into communion with the Godhead, you come into communion with the Father, the creator of the universe, and and all this supernaturally takes place, and you become adopted by the Father, adopted. Someone who once was lost in dying in sin, now made right and adopted by the Holy Spirit. Father, there's something significant about the process of adoption, especially in this day. The process of adoption, I think I've said it before, but if, I, if you've not heard it before, maybe uh, this will be cool to you. The process of adoption in this day was uh, pretty, uh, pretty great. If you, in this day, if you wanted to sell your blood, uh, your, your, your blood children, you could sell them. If you wanted to throw them to slavery, you could throw them to slave, uh, slavery. If you wanted to uh, even, you know, in this day it was a little wilder, but if you wanted to get rid of them, you could just get rid of them. But if you adopted a child in this day, it was stuck with you forever. You could not do any of the above. You could not get rid of it. You could not sell it into slavery. You could not uh, make it a slave. Uh, it was then bought, or it was then adopted, and you had um, pa- made a pact to care for it and love it, and um, it could trust that you. It was safe with you forever. That was the expectation of adoption. If you went outside of that boundary, you held the accountability for it, and uh, you would be dealt with. Adoption is, um, is great in this way, that we look at what the Savior has done on the cross as he's paid the way for us to come under this uh, moment of adoption uh, via the Holy Spirit. As the, as the Holy Spirit comes into our heart, as we accept Jesus as our Savior, as we come into this relationship with the Father, being made right, even though we are uh, sinful and dead in our trespasses and sins, he loves us so much that he would die for our sins, becoming the ultimate sacrifice for us here. And Jesus, look at this example here. Jesus just looks at this one who's like, hey, um, just trying to help here. Your mother and your brothers, they want you. They want to talk. Um, You know, you should probably try to get out of this crowd and go talk to them. And Jesus is like, hold on. You know, who is my mother? Who is my brother? These are my mother and brothers. These are my family, in other words. I, uh, these are the ones in whom are my family. Moving on, you see this sense of family, and that's what leads us from adoption into the second point. Uh, as we go forward, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 25. The Bible says this, so that there would be no division in the body. I'll read that one more time. So that there will be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other, so that one member suffers all all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. It's the team effort. We got a lot of sports players or sports families in this house, in this congregation. You know what I'm talking about and what the Bible talks about when it says if one suffers, we all suffer. If one is high and lifted up or honored, we all are high and lifted up. It's one body. It's one mind. It's one voice. It's one heart. It's one sound. You've heard all these things in these famous sports
sports movies before, and this is the case with the family of God. If I'm doing bad, or if I, if I'm, uh, if I'm doing rough, if I'm having a rough time, then we come alongside each other and we all go through this trial together. If I'm going through a time of, um, um, uh. Like abundance, if I'm going through a time of, uh, of mountaintop experience, uh, as, as the family of God, we all should come together in a time of abundance and mountaintop experience. That's how Jesus set it up, and we'll understand that more closely in this last point here in a moment. Uh, and I think that's where I'll spend the majority of my time today, just because it's the very uh, essence of what Jesus is saying from the cross today, as he unites both his disciple and his earth earthly mother uh, together to, to, to adopt one another and be family. Jesus does a mighty work on the cross here as he ushers in this spirit of family. We'll see later in the Bible if you read on in Acts chapter 2 and 3, you'll read about the beginnings of the church. You'll read about their emotion towards one another. You'll read about what they've done for one another and how they acted. They weren't um, shoulder to shoulder. They were heart to heart. Their couch, one person's couch was the other person's couch. One person's food pantry was the other person's food pantry. If one had need, the other one supplied the need. And that's how Jesus set up the body of Christ. That's how Jesus uh, desire, or, uh, set up his desire for the church. The New Testament church, as it was birthed, they walked forward as the body in unity. One mind, one sound. One walk, all on the same bus, all going in the, in the same direction. Amen? So that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. Because we're a body. We're, the part, or we're a part of the body. Of Christ. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. If I'm going to the mountaintop, we're all going to the mountaintop. Or it should be that way. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. Jesus, in this very utterance from the cross, establishes the adoption of family. And as a result, it brings unity. That's my third point. If you want to write that down, unity. Write that word down, unity. Jesus establishes adoption in family, and it results in unity. Read this with me, Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. The Bible says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the toll booth. He was a tax collector. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. It's remarkable, by the way, and I'll tell you why here in just a moment. Uh, while he was reclining at the table in the house, he's now at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came to eat with Jesus and his disciples. Oh, buddy, this is good. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And now when he heard this, he said, It is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. In other words, just go take some time to chew on what I just gave you there. 
I desire mercy and not sacrifice. This is Jesus, bless you, saying this. For I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. Look at this picture here. Let's take a tally of what's going on in this moment, okay? It's remarkable. You have the Pharisees, the Pharisaical group, Pharisaical group, pointing out the fact that here is this Jewish rabbi, take note of that, a Jewish teacher, Jesus, sitting at the table with tax collectors and sinners and his disciples. What a remarkable sight. Let's assess, shall we? Jesus, a Jewish rabbi, teacher, uh, communing with tax collectors and sinners. What a huge smack in the face to religious Judaism, right? A tax collector looked at as scum, a traitor. How in the world could a Jew trade himself from uh, Judaism to work for the Romans and receive taxes and scandal people out of their money? That's what they were known for. If you read on and if you read in other gospel accounts and you put this account together from all the different perspectives that you can get it, let's take a tally of who's here at the table right now. This is crazy, but it's great, and it preaches a message of grace and mercy This is who's at the table if you read your Bible and if you study this out. Jesus is sitting at the table with a tax collector, a doctor, a harlot, and a fisherman. At least, at least these four types of people. And the only reason they are all sitting at the same table, the only reason, is Jesus. It's remarkable. I think about church today and what it should be, what it could be. I look in this room. In this room, we have different types of people. We all come from different walks. We all come from different uh, paths. We all come from different um, uh, backgrounds and, and, and trials and triumphs. We all come from different areas. Some of us are highly degreed and some of us never finished high school. Some of us have worked with very, very accredited individuals and have much experience. Some of us don't have a lot to talk about. Some of us have been very, very low in the, ba- uh, in the valley and some of us ain't never even seen the shadow of the valley. Some of us in here are um, eating good tonight, and some of his, uh, us in here can't afford a can of beans out the grocery store. But we're all under the same room for one reason, or under the same roof for, for one reason. We all come under the same roof because of Jesus. How remarkable is that? In this context, you have a woman who gave her body for profit, a harlot. You have a tax collector, the scum of the earth by the Jews. You have a fisherman, the lowest man on the totem pole in, in, in that economy. And you have a doctor, somebody who couldn't be bothered with the likes of that type of person unless they had an ailment that needed fixed. All under the same roof. 
because of Jesus. Jesus will bring people together that otherwise would never, ever, ever come together um, uh, in a million years. And that's the wonder-working power of Jesus. That's what he does. He will bring you together. He will uh, commune you with different types of people. And that's why he came. He came to bring uh, unity in this sense. I know last week I read a, a section of scripture where Jesus says, you are foolish to think that I came to bring unity, but I came to actually separate. And this is two different contexts here. There he's talking about separate you from your lustful desires and the impact of the enemy on your life. Here he's talking about bringing you together with other people that need Jesus just as bad as you do. That's why I'll never understand why the church is the most divisive organization in the world. Look at many organizations across the world, secular organizations, other even religious organizations. The Christian church, the church of Jesus. Look, at, look it up, barnaresearch.com. That's all I'll say. I'll drop that there. You can look it up yourself. Us Christians are the most divisive people in the world. We will turn our backs on one another in a moment. Just boom, out of nowhere, turn our backs. Oh, Lord, help us. Help us where we think we're doing a service by just dropping each other like bad habits. Help us where we think we're doing good when we're actually being divisive. Help us. You know how many church splits happened in the year 2020 and 2021 and 2022? Half of us were a part of a couple. I'm just saying, you know, just being real. It's ungodly the amount of division in the church, and we can blame it on Satan. We'll just give him all the credit. Or we can say, hey, we are not living up to the strength that Jesus has given us. We are not, we give the, the enemy too much credit. We say, oh, Satan's a punk. I believe Satan comes to church and he comes to trip us up and he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I'm going to tell you what, Christian, Jesus has put a power inside of you that is uh, 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 uncomprehendable uh, to the enemy, right? He knows not this power. It's the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you, right? The enemy knows not that power. Okay, God has placed inside of you an ability to commune with people that are not like you. God has placed inside of you the ability to uh, come under the same roof as other people and, uh, and, and at least understand that though we may have differences, we're together because of Jesus. That's why in spite of our division, in spite of God's body being so divisive. His word has never failed. His church will live on. His body is everlasting. And whether we like it or not, no matter how hard we try to divide it or not, God will exist and continue to exist among his people. And he will do a work through the ones who are willing to be used by him. Let this preach to you. God wants to do amazing things through your church. He wants to do amazing things through anyone who would be willing. But you got to be willing, right? You say, well, well, there's nothing we can do to stop the will of the Lord. The will of God's going to be sovereign over everything. Yeah, you're right. God will have his will. He'll have his way. But don't tell me for a second 
that you can't be a stumbling block to it. Don't tell me for a second that us in our stubbornness can't hinder the work of the Holy Spirit. Amen? I had to call for an amen today. It's quiet up in the house. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is Jesus has paid much too high a price for us to turn our backs on one another. Jesus paid way too high a price for us not to consider the fact that we were just as lost in our trespasses and sins as the next one. I think it's Titus chapter 3 where Titus explains, Consider this as you witness to the nations that you were once just like them, but you've been saved. But the cross of Calvary has covered your sins. I know this isn't a, an exciting hooting and a hollering type service. I know I'm not jumping around like normal. I know this is a little more solemn and serious. But here I come to tell you today that Jesus from the cross in his weakest moment, if there was a weak moment in Jesus, I guess humanly as he's fighting for every breath, as he's been beaten within an inch of his life, how much more intently will you listen to what he's saying here? And as he, utter, as he utters the third saying of the cross here, as he says... Uh, with, with whatever strength he has left humanly as he just says, hey, mother, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. And he doesn't go into much else explana or much, much explan uh, explanation after that. He just says, behold your son and behold your mother there. And they get it. It's like, yes, okay, we're in this together. We're in this together. My couch is your couch. My food is your food. If I got something you need, you can have it. It's unity. It's love for one another. I think Jesus said this, and I'll, I'll close. I'm going to get us out, here on, out of here on time. That's awesome. Jesus said this. Ben, you can go ahead and come on up. Love one another just as. Somebody say just as. I have loved you. So that when others look in, they will know that you are mine. You are my disciples. Love one another just as I've lo loved you. How has Jesus loved us? Undeniably forgiving. Undeniably full of mercy. Undeniably uh, with, with an everlasting love. One that um, is merciful and graceful and doesn't give us what we do deserve, but gives us what we, doesn't, or what we don't deserve Lord, help us to never lose sight of the awe of who you are and what you've done, God. Help us, God, to come together in unity. Help us to uh, erase the mark that we put on ourselves in our disunity, in our destruction of what you are building up inside of us, God. Revival will start when we start. Revival will start when we turn our eyes and our hearts to you, Jesus. It takes willing vessels. How in the world could we be a vessel crying out, Fill me up, Lord, if we are already full with ourselves and already full with our expectations, already full with our preferences. I, I have an illustration. I didn't come up with it. Actually, another, I heard another preach, preacher say this illustration a week ago. Everybody got a cell phone up in this room. I know you got a cell phone. You may have heard this illustration already. Don't cut me off. No, I'm just kidding. It's a good one. You got a cell phone, pull it out. Mine's down here. I can't grab it. I can, but you got your cell phone? Everybody got it in your hand? 
Anybody's cell phone ever just go haywire? Like I'm talking freeze up, don't want nothing to do with you, you don't want nothing to do with it, you about to throw it out the car window because you're trying to get 73.2 things done going down the road. You're breaking the law anyway. You, you de deserve a ticket being on your phone while you're riding down the road. You better put the phone down. But what I'm saying is, anybody else have, ever, ever almost throw that phone out the window because it's messing up on you? One thing to notice here is that the phone does not begin to act in such a manner until you clog it up with all your preferences. Why? Because, you know, when the phone's brand spanking new, it runs clean, it runs smooth, it doesn't have any uh, failures, it doesn't freeze, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't mess up, you don't drop the calls as often. Um, it, it, it's nice, but the more preferences you put into it, the slower it gets because the more filled up it gets, right? And sometimes you got to do a factory reset, the preacher priestess message, uh, kingdom reset. Uh, sometimes you got to do a factory reset on your phone. you got to restore it back to its original state, and that's what kind of fixes it. And yeah, you're going to lose some stuff. You're gonna, you may lose some pictures. You may lose some notes. You may lose some text messages. You may lose some contacts. But you bring the phone back to the factory settings, and what will happen is it restores it into an operating manner. And I just wonder in here how many people God's trying to factory reset. I'm just wondering in this room how many people are uh, God's trying to, uh, to get to understand that, hey, the reason why you're bogged down, the reason why you don't wanna serve the Lord like you once did, the reason why you can't notice the Holy Spirit's power in the room like you once did, the reason why you ain't got a song to sing like you once did is because you're so full of your preferences that God can't do a work inside of you, amen? I'm gonna let the band sing. I wanna give you an opportunity to come to the Lord. And hey, if you've been looking for family, if you've been looking for community, we should be the family. We should be the community. Hey, if somebody's having issues paying the light bill, the church should be the first place you could come and get that light bill taken care of. If somebody's having issues finding food, if somebody doesn't have a can to eat out of the pantry, the church should be the first place you go to. If somebody's different and expresses... Never mind. The church should be the first place people go to to seek out unity. Let's be the example. Jesus utters from the cross, behold your brother, behold your mother. So will everybody just stand up with me in this room? If you're capable, if you're able, stand up in this room. I want you to just turn around. I want you to look around. Behold your mother, behold your brother. These are your brothers and sisters. These are your family. These are the ones that Jesus also died for. We gotta get off our Baptist butts and do something as the body of Christ. We have to stop with the division. We have to stop with the woe is me because I don't get it my way attitude as a Baptist. God has paid far too much a price for us to act like spoiled Christians. Man, yesterday really woke me up, church. There's a place around us that needs the love of Christ and while we sit on our Baptist butts in this room and get mad because the songs wasn't the way we liked them or any other reason why somebody may get mad, there's a lost and dying world right outside these walls that needs to know the love of Jesus and that just need to know that God has paid a price for them and loves them and cares about them and that there is a way, truth, and life for them. 
We need to tell the world exactly what we told that little girl. Hey, this is for you. This is all for you. Jesus paid the price for that. So, behold your mother. Behold your brother. Take one another in each other's arms and love for one another. Care for one another. Eat with one another and and do life with one another. Be the church. Be the body of Christ. Watch and see what God will do because Jesus wasn't lying when he said, hey, if you'll love one another just as I have loved you, that's that's a lot of love. If you'll love one another just as I have loved you, the outside world will look in and see that and know exactly who you are. Church, we got lots of work to do. If you're anything like me, you need to come up here and do business with the Lord. God, help me. Help me, Father, to to be more about your work, God. Help me, Lord, to take seriously the opportunity that we have to be the body of Christ in unity with one another. Not in separation, not in, in strife or division. God, help us, Lord, to come together working hand in hand. And not shoulder to shoulder, but heart to heart, God. Help us, Lord, to do life with one another in such a way that we would be examples of the New Testament church in Acts. God, help us to take more seriously what you've called us to do as the body of Christ. If there's a need, I want to meet it. If I can, God, I want to sow into it. I want to give everything I got to your kingdom, to your cause, God. If I can pay for the float, to go out to an apartment complex and, and wow a little girl because she ain't never seen it before. And I have one simple opportunity to present to her the gospel of Christ. Lord, help me to put a priority on that as opposed to any self or a selfish want or desire I may have. Help me, God, to make much of you in this community. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray that we would be a people that would fall at your feet today. Today. Come to this altar. Bow before a holy God. Giving you praise for what you've done as you paid the price for, the, uh, for our sin and the sin of the world on the cross of Calvary. You've ushered us into a, a family through adoption. And now, people that may have never, ever, ever crossed paths before consider each other brothers and sisters and family. Only because of you, Jesus. Only because of you. I pray you do a work in us today, Jesus. Amen.